Hello, and welcome to Pandemic Mama, the podcast that brings you honest conversations about having a baby during COVID-19 times. I'm Irina Gonzalez, a journalist, new mom, and your host. This is episode two, and today I'm talking with Lauren Wellbank about what it's like to welcome her third child during the pandemic. She is a mother of three and a freelance writer. We're going to get into the positives of her high-risk pregnancy, how this postpartum period differs from her others, and Lauren will even share a couple of self-care tips for new moms, so stay tuned after the break. But first, if you want to connect with fellow parents going through the craziness of having a baby in 2020 and into 2021, please join the Pandemic Mama Podcast Facebook group by searching for Pandemic Mama Podcast or heading to facebook.com slash groups slash Pandemic Mama Pod. Thanks. Hi, so I'm here with Lauren Wellbank. She is a mother of three and a freelance writer. Um, So hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you're a mom of three, which is crazy (laughs) to me because I only have the one. Um, I guess my first question really is, how was it having your third in a pandemic? Um, Well, it was a once in a lifetime experience. That's (laughs) for definitely for sure. Um, It's funny because so I have three children now. The first one was obviously you don't know what to expect when you're having your first child. Like you can read about delivery and labor and all of that, but you have no idea really what to expect. So I had that whole experience with the first one. And then with the second one, I thought, okay, I know what to expect. Like this is going to be different because it'll be easier. It's my second kid. So I assumed that the third kid would follow suit and it would just be even easier than it was. And it actually ended up being the most stressful (laughs) of all of them because once again, everything had changed. Mm -hmm. So where were you exactly? Where were you in your pregnancy when on March 11th when who like officially decided that this is a pandemic? How far along were you? I was less than a month from my due date. Wow. So what was that like? Like talk me through like that week or that month, like what happened? So I had been sick leading up to that. The Mm -hmm. middle of February, my husband and I both got like as sick as we had ever been in our lives. And I actually had to go to urgent care um, because I had a fever for so long. And when you're pregnant, you have a fever, like they really want you to stay on top of that. So they, I remember laughing because they made such a big deal and were asking me about my travel and everything else because it was the beginning of March by the time I went to urgent care. And I remember thinking like, this problem isn't here. Like, why is this an issue now? Why are they asking me this now? Because I live in um, Pennsylvania. So it's, we're so far removed from everywhere else that was happening. At that point, it was um, really big in Washington state, but it wasn't really, and it had started in New York City, but it wasn't encroaching into my area. So I thought that everything was pretty overblown. And then week by week, the news was getting more and more dire and more and more people were sick and more and more people were dying. And they, when they announced, I remember I was at my mom's house for dinner when they announced that they were shutting down our state, that we were going on lockdown. And I remember just standing in her kitchen. I sent my two little ones upstairs to the playroom and I just stood in her kitchen and started sobbing and said, Oh my God, what I'm about to have a baby in the world is ending. (laughs) Uh, I can't, I really can't imagine that feeling with just like having two and realizing like everything's going to change and you know that your third is coming into this this crazy crazy world you wrote a a piece that really really touched me about just like kind of the regret you feel um bringing your you know your son into this world can you talk a little bit about that 
Oh, absolutely. It's funny because I, he's the best baby in the world. I really lucked out because he has been my easiest baby and I needed this to be my easiest baby <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. So I, I have to preface this with, I do not regret my son. I love him very, very much. But had I known before I got pregnant, what was going to be happening over the past year, I definitely would not have had another child. This is just, there's so much uncertainty and fear and confusion. I just, I cannot believe that I'm raising children in this world. Yeah, I bet. So, well, let's backtrack a little bit. How was your journey with this pregnancy in particular? Like, why did you, you know, you guys decided to go for another one. Like how did that whole process go? What was your pregnancy like before obviously the pandemic started? This was a uh, whoops-a-daisy baby. (laughs) (laughs) We had, my husband and I were, um, had always thought we were going to have three. And we got to a point after we had our second where it was, we were going back and forth and saying, you know, money's a lot tighter than we thought it was going to be. We have a lot less space than we feel comfortable in. If we're going to have a third, these are the things that we need to do first. We need to get a bigger house. We need to pay off all of our credit cards. We need to have a savings, like a substantial amount of savings. So we were in the middle of this conversation when I found out that I was pregnant. Um, And unfortunately, I lost that pregnancy. So I'm was 37 years old at the time. And I remember after I had the miscarriage, um, cause we were, had been so excited. Once we found out that we were having the whoopsie daisy baby, we were very excited and said, you know, we'll make this work. I'm not worried about this. People do it with far less. So I, I'm sure that we can make this work. So after we had lost the pregnancy, we sat down and had a real conversation about it. And I said, you know, my window might be closing. I'm older. I might not be able to have more kids. That might have been the last time that I'm going to be pregnant. So if we're going to have another baby, we can't wait until we have the perfect house. We have X amount of dollars in the bank account, whatever. So we decided that we were going to not start trying, but we weren't going to try not to get pregnant. And I like woke up one day pregnant, like two weeks later, (laughs) just spontaneously was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So um, we were very excited. Uh, My pregnancy was actually other than being exhausted because I had a now five-year-old and three-year-old who I was also chasing around. Um, It it was a great pregnancy. I was just a lot more tired and a lot more anxious about complications because before you lose a pregnancy, you don't really have that full understanding of how precarious it is (laughs) because you don't know what it feels like to lose one. So I was definitely a lot more concerned about every little twinge and, oh, I'm nauseous. Is this normal? I don't remember feeling this way before. But other than that, it was no health complications, really, other than me being too old, apparently. But it was a pretty easy, breezy pregnancy up until the end. (laughs) (laughs) So how was the end? Like, how was, how did everything change after that March 11th date going into your last month of pregnancy? So I had my pregnancy was high risk for a lot of reasons. Um, some previous pregnancy complications, some previous, um, I had some complications when I was delivering my first with hemorrhaging. So there was a lot of things. And because I was uh, of advanced maternal age, so mm-hmm. there were a lot of things that they required um, me to do special. I had to go 
I think every week I was going to the OB's office. I had to get non-stress tests. I had to get an ultrasound, I think every other week, um, just so that they could make sure everything was progressing the way it was supposed to. Um, Shortly before they announced the shutdown, my doctor's office had said, okay, we're making some changes. We're we are making proactive changes with the health and well-being of our patients and their babies in mind. This is what we're doing. We're only allowing, they would only allow one person in the waiting room at a time. You couldn't bring spouses in for ultrasounds. Um, partners couldn't come in for visits or any of that stuff. So they had started um, doing a lot of televisits as well. But since I was high risk, none of that affected me. I still went in for everything. Um, so that was pretty, that was actually kind of a bonus for me because I had everything to myself all the time <laughs> because I was one of the people who had to be there. So everybody else was doing the call-ins and they were sending people blood pressure cuffs so that they could keep track of their own blood pressure. And I just had to go in and get all of it done. Wow. Yeah, that must've been quite an experience, but I mean, not bad if you were all by yourself. Although did it feel, did it feel weird like to not be able to have your, your partner there and that kind of thing? He uh, wasn't, he was always home with the other two. So he really wouldn't have been coming in to begin with, but we had been bringing, I had been bringing my daughter in so that she could like hear the baby's heartbeat and kind of be a part of some of the stuff leading up to it in the hopes that she wouldn't feel like her world had ended when we bring home another child. Um, So when she couldn't keep coming to those things, that was kind of upsetting, especially because her preschool shut down, her dance class shut down, like all of these things shut down. Her whole world changed over the course of three weeks. And she had a really hard time dealing with that. And I was pregnant and hormonal. And every time she cried, I cried. So it was definitely an emotional time, but it was really nice being in the office by myself um, at my OB's office, except for it was so quiet all the time. I could hear every conversation they were having. So that was a little unnerving because they would talk about, we only have this many masks left. We only have this much of this left. We're not getting more of this. And I was privy to a lot of those conversations because it wasn't, they didn't keep people out in the waiting room anymore. Like we were sitting in the office essentially. Mm-hmm. So that was a little, I remember sitting there on Snapchat, like sending videos to my family with captions like, Oh my God, they're out of masks. What are we going to do? This is, this is insanity. How was your OB's office letting you know about like the actual birth process? Like were they already informing you or were they kind of keeping that quiet? Did you have your baby in the hospital actually? I did have my baby in the hospital. Um, So they didn't really stay that on top of proactively letting people know because I was getting closer and closer to my due date. um, I was just every morning I would wake up and I would Google my hospital and I would check and see what their updated um, rules and regulations were. And then every night before I went to bed, I did the, it was my routine for three weeks. I would just twice a day, sometimes more, I would go on and check and see if they had stopped allowing partners to come in, if they had stopped allowing support people in the delivery room. Um, at my OB's office, they actually, in, they were scheduling everybody for inductions because they were afraid they didn't know what the hospitals were going to look like. So anybody who was 35 weeks they were scheduling you for an induction at 38 weeks, I want to say, or maybe 39 weeks. So they were 
everybody was terrified of what was going to happen, that we were going to get slammed and people would be delivering babies in hallways. <laughs> so what did happen when you delivered? How did that go? Uh, it, actually, it didn't go that badly. Um, it was a lucky for me that my parents lived close. And when I went into labor, they just said, you know what, don't, you don't have to wait until you're ready to run out the door. We're going to take your kids. You just relax. So I got to labor at home for a while. Then we called the doctor's office to tell them that I was in labor and that I was going to be heading up to the hospital. They had to call the hospital ahead of time and let them know that I was coming in. And then we got there. We had to put masks on because I was so far along. They didn't, and I had an induction scheduled. So I had an induction scheduled for the following week, I want to say. And, um, so they were just like, no matter what, you're having this baby today. So just bring your husband in. We don't even have to go through triage. We're going to book you. We're going to put you in a room, get you gowned up. So I went in. I was in labor and everything stalled out. I just completely stalled out. I stopped dilating. My contractions kept coming, but they just stopped being productive. So they ended up inducing me because they didn't want to send me home and have me come back, which I was very unhappy about. Um, so they ended up inducing me. I was in labor for 12 hours, maybe total. Um, and I gave birth the following morning. Um, the I had the night shift because I went in overnight. The night shift nurses basically gave me Pitocin, closed the door and left and did not come back. I never saw them again. My husband was actually timing my contractions for me because I was like, I think they're getting closer, but I can't tell because I'm in so much pain because I didn't want an epidural. So then um, the morning shift nurse came in and she took one look at me and she said, call her doctor. She's having this baby right now. My OB was on her way to drop her dog off at the vet and had to turn around and go home and take her dog home. And she literally walked in the door and caught the baby. She like walked in, opened up the the gown and said, okay, you can push down. Wow. Wow. That, that sounds like quite the ordeal. It, it was, but I, I have to say all in all giving birth in the middle of a pandemic, that was not that terrible. <laughs> Yeah, were you you were wearing masks the whole time though? I was wearing masks the entire time except my mask came off while I was pushing and I was actively pushing and was not stopping to put my mask back on and nobody cared. So as soon as they handed me the baby and I put the mask back on. Mm -hmm. So how was seeing him for the first time? It was um very exciting, very emotional and I was convinced something was wrong. I can remember they put him on my chest and I refused to open my eyes. I was just holding him like laying there and I kept thinking he's too small. There's something wrong. He, he, he's a full, so he should be full term. He should be bigger than this. He should be heavier than this. Mm -hmm. And my husband was like, open your eyes. He's perfect. He's absolutely perfect. And I looked down and he was absolutely perfect. <laughs> he was the most beautiful baby. He cried that tiny, tiny bit and was just closed his eyes, fell asleep and just snuggled with me. But we could not, we could not name him. Oh, I, really? Yeah. I expected we had narrowed it down to a list of our favorite three names. And I expected, cause with my other two, as soon as I saw them, I was like, Oh, she's a 
blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And just the name was the most fitting name ever. And he came out and I said, I have no idea. (laughs) They actually, all of our paperwork says baby boy Wellbank because we couldn't figure it out. Do you think that was the stress or just something different? No, I think it was the stress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how long were you in the hospital after you actually gave birth? 24 hours on the dot. Wow. Uh, was that, was it crazy? I mean, was it, how was it? It was, no, it was actually surreal because we felt like the only people in the hospital mm-hmm. because there was nobody wandering the halls. Normally in labor and delivery, there's pregnant women with IVs wandering the halls, trying to drop their babies. There's family members coming in and out. Even on the mother baby ward, there's visitors coming to visit the new baby for the first time. And there was none of that. The, our door was closed the entire time. And the only time they came in to bring us food and to check on us. And that was it. It felt like we were on the moon. <laughs> Looking back at this experience versus with your two daughters, do you think that, like, how does it compare in terms of the recovery process in those 24 hours? Do you think that, were you checked on less or do you feel like you got the, about the same care in the hospital? It's just that, you know, everyone was wearing masks and stuff. Um, you know what? That is a hard question to answer because I was high risk with my second two pregnancies. And with my first pregnancy, I actually hemorrhaged um, and they had to keep me. I, I had needed blood transfusions and all kinds of other stuff. So they had to keep me for a very long time after I gave birth to my first. So I'm used to a certain level of attention after delivery, just because they want to make sure I don't die. (laughs) Um, But so it felt comparable, I guess. Um, And everybody was very understanding. Like all the staff that came in, they were always much more congratulatory. And then also, oh, what a time to be doing this. Congratulations. He's beautiful. Oh my goodness. What a time to be having a new baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember that as well. (laughs) Yeah. The thing that I probably remember the best is that I felt like I couldn't tell anybody apart because everybody was wearing masks. So I only would see like their eyes, you know, they would be wearing masks and like the little hairnets and stuff. Absolutely. I told my husband, I I did not recognize my OB who I'd been seeing for nine months because she was wearing a mask. Like Mm -hmm. she walked in and just lifted up the gown and I was like, Oh, I recognize you now. Yeah. Yeah. That must've been crazy. So how did you, how, how did you go home? I mean, how, how was that? Um, going home was a relief because we were terrified in my mind. It was more terrifying being in the hospital because that was the unknown. That was the, the nurse who's walking in. Maybe she's been exposed to another patient. The, um, the environmental services lady, I, I remember she walked in and we were, I was in the hospital bed and I had my tray up um, because I was writing something down, signing paperwork or something. And somebody must have dropped a pen and had, it had rolled under my bed and she reached over and picked it up and put it on top of my food tray thinking that it was my pen. And I remember looking at my husband and saying, oh God, we're going to die in here. This is how, this is how this stuff spreads. Like not that she did anything wrong or that I was going to lick the tray afterwards and not take care of things, but it's just, it's so easy for germs to spread in a hospital. And it was like, I I felt like everything in the hospital was actively trying to infect us. (laughs) So we were relieved to go home. 
And um, we actually, so my son had jaundice. So we had to do follow-up testing Mm -hmm. um, the first 24 hours and then 48 hours. So my parents kept our kids for the first two days that we were home just because we had to keep going back to the hospital for blood work, the hospital and the pediatricians for blood work. So um, we had like this little almost like decompression period where we got to come home and it was just the three of us and we kind of got to be alone and recover and have that downtime before the two loudest human beings in the world came into the house. Wow. So I feel like that the way you're talking about that time, it sounds like you actually had a nice few days at home just because you, you know, had to go back to the hospital. So you kind of had some peace and quiet at least. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, I'd say that was the, um, a really nice thing that I didn't get when I had my second because we just went home and then we had a house full all the time because people were always coming in to visit and to see the baby and all that. So this, it was literally, even once our, our two daughters came home, um, we, my parents dropped them off and didn't come onto our patio like they stood at the opposite end of the patio and we held the baby up lion king style and we're like here this is your grandson and then like we didn't see human beings again for weeks my mom would come and stand at my kitchen window and i would stand inside the house and she would stand outside the house and i'd hold up the baby and the my daughters would stand there and wave and yell and but other than that like there was no i don't want to say intrusions because that makes it sound like a negative thing but there was nobody coming in so it was just we once the five of us were back together we were just this unit Mm -hmm. yeah I think the biggest thing I heard before having you know my own baby was that everyone's going to be coming in and you have to have some sort of like schedule for visitors and like you want you know your partner to kind of like play defense if you're too tired (laughs) and none of that ended up being an issue but what did end up being an issue is having conversations with people about you know making sure that if they are gonna visit or if they want to see the baby through a window like how are they keeping safe so how did that go for you because obviously your parents are nearby and you know saw the baby somehow um but did you have to have like like was that a difficult conversation to have or were they understanding like how how did all that go actually we were very lucky because this is a terrible thing to say everybody in our family is high risk so everybody was taking precautions my dad is a cancer survivor so he's taking extra precautions my mom it lives with him she's taking extra precautions so even my in-laws they have their health concerns so they're taking extra precautions so everybody was definitely on the same page with it's not safe we're not gonna go all get together and everybody even now like we say things now like we're not comfortable going to a party of this size we're not comfortable doing this and everybody has been very understanding so far (laughs) that's good that's good it's definitely not always the case where i'm at in florida (laughs) oh but (laughs) (laughs) but that's great so how how did it feel just having that like different experience of having i guess a little really a little bit more silence and peace in a way in your like initial month of postpartum um sad yeah, it was. It, it has been a sad experience. Yeah, I definitely. This is my last baby, so I wanted. I had expectations, and I had things that I wanted to do, um, like to savor this. 
and it feels like there's just this kind of blanket of grief that's over everything that we do because the the world is such a sad place right now and we can't be together in the way that we want to be and it's just sad (laughs) yeah do you think that feeling has reverberated through throughout your whole family yes oh definitely Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard for us, I think. Yeah. Especially with, you know, it being your last baby and everything. What yeah. kind of what kind of things were you looking forward to? Just spending time with everybody. So this is the first grandson on my husband's side. So this is the first boy since my husband. So there was like that whole excitement that everybody had and all of um my nieces they're excited to have a boy cousin. And so everybody's excited to have a nephew. So like we all were looking forward to spending time together and doing things and celebrating. And it's just, we can't do any of that. Mm -hmm. Even on my, um, on my side where I have a nephew, my brother and his wife had a son. Um, So the shine has worn off of the whole boy thing on that (laughs) side of the family, but just spending time together, like there's nobody held my son as a newborn. Like there's no, there's no picture of the first time that my mom gets to hold the baby and he's a tiny little munchkin. Like he's a big old watermelon now (laughs) and it's, it's just different. Mm -hmm. There's none of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 tricky. Um, but it sounds like you have been able to at least see some people now at this point. Um, yes. Your son is how old now? Um, he's almost six months. He'll be six months. Wait, what is today? No, I've lied. He's five and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, but like people have, like some people have met him at this point, you think? Um, our, both sets of our parents and all of our siblings. That's but, exciting. Nobody beyond that. Um, I actually went down to uh, my grandmother is not in good health. And we drove down to our hometown to do a socially distanced visit with her. She sat on one side of the porch and we sat on the other side of the porch and just like said, here's your new great grandson. And (laughs) can't touch him, but you can look at him from over Mm -hmm. here. Um, So like my aunts and uncles haven't really seen him. None of my cousins have seen him. And I don't know when they will, because it's just, we're going into winter. That's, we've been trying to spend as much time with people as we can now, because we're in Pennsylvania, it's starting to get cold. Mm -hmm. We're doing almost all of our visits outside. Right. So once the weather changes, we're not going to be able to go do things with people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know when he's going to be walking by the time half of my family meets him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely the tough, one of the toughest parts is that we just don't know when anything will happen. I mean, a lot, most of my family is not in the state and same thing for my husband. So it's, you know, mm, it's very tricky. Hard. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's hard for all of us, right? Like yes. meet him and how can they meet him safely? And is there a safely, you know, is there a, a safe option for instance? That's- exactly. There's so much unknown. That's what makes this so sad and so hard because if everything goes right on the other end of this, we're going to, say, oh, well, maybe we overreacted. Maybe we could have let people meet him. Maybe my grandmother could have held him, mm. but we don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's the uncertainty that we feel as, as parents, 
that is so much scarier right now because there's already uncertainty, right? Like when you have a new baby in the house, you don't know. Exactly. Even you, like it's your third, so you know something, but even then. Not much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, from what I've always heard is that every baby is different, right? So you're, you're mm-hmm. still kind of learning. Oh, so absolutely. yeah. Yeah. But how, how was that part? Cause I feel like for me, at least one of the quote unquote nicer parts was that we did have some alone time that I think was a little bit more stress-free because I didn't have to worry about people visiting. Did you, I mean, I know you said that was ultimately sad, but did you like, did you have some moments where you were able to enjoy it or was it a lot of like stressing about how, you know, this is your last one and and all of that? Um, I think that there was, Probably it's easier to look back on it now and look at certain instances and be like, no, that was a good thing. Like I was able to lay in my bed with my baby for hours and watch a movie with my kids. And that's a nice thing to do. Um, In the moment, it definitely did not seem like there were any bright spots to that. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the way that my two older daughters reacted because they were so like cabin fever couldn't mm. go anywhere. Like they couldn't even go outside because it was just nasty early mm. spring in Pennsylvania. So they were, we were all trapped in the house all the time. They missed their friends. They missed their family. They missed their cousins. They missed getting to go walk around target. There was just, there was no outlet for them. So we were all on each other's nerves a lot. And it was, it was hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it will unfortunately continue for who knows how long, right? Yeah. That's true. But I also think so now we've got my oldest is in virtual kindergarten. So she's mm-hmm. got that sort of outlet. Mm-hmm. And we have now I'm not dealing with the I've got stitches in my butt and I'm tired and I'm cranky and my boobs hurt. Like I'm in a better space. So mm-hmm. I probably have a little bit more um grace with them than I was having in the beginning. And I'm a little bit more understanding of things. And so I think that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that will make a difference. (laughs) Hopefully. Right. Um, Speaking of stitches, how was the, like the postpartum recovery for you and how were you, were you able to see your doctor? Like how did all that go? This was the easiest um, physical delivery. I, I, when I had my first, I tore horribly. Um, and so there, I only tore a little bit this time. So physically I was in much better shape. Um, I did my six week postpartum visit on the cell phone, just like this, which I think that all doctor's visits should be like forever. Cause it was super convenient. And I just sat there nursing him and chatting with my doctor. Um, so the, the recovery was actually not that bad. <laughs> That's nice. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. What about in terms of, um, cause you mentioned that you were pretty emotional. Do you think that were you more emotional this time around or do you think it was more or less the same? Uh, I would say I was emotional in a different way. So I had postpartum depression with my first two. I had postpartum anxiety with my first very, very severely. Um, and that was really hard to deal with. Um, so I was extra sensitive to that when I had my second. And so it was easier with my second because I knew how bad it was with my first. This was a different kind of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because it was the world is ending. <laughs> so I, I was just, I cried all the time. Like I was just, I was emotional. I was sad. I was um, stressed. I was scared. I was, had visions of what if something happens? What if people start um, breaking into houses because the food supply chain goes belly up and suddenly we're robbing each other to steal food. Now I have three kids. I have more kids than I have hands. What am I going to do if I have to run? <laughs> like just and obviously we're not there and mm-hmm. we weren't there, but it was just these kind of things running through my head and getting me all stressed out. <laughs> were you able to speak with anyone about your thoughts? My poor husband, really just him, um and writing about it, but there just was for not going anywhere and not having anywhere to be. There just wasn't time to do anything other than make it through each day. I I thought about calling my doctor and then I would do the whole, well, it's not that bad. I I don't need to, I don't need to call her about this. This is stupid. I know this is stupid, which I know now clear headed is just the part of the cycle (laughs) of talking Mm -hmm. yourself out of getting help. But yeah, I was too wrapped up in my own stuff to, to call anybody or try and get treatment. Mm-hmm. How do you think you got to the place you're at now? I mean, cause you definitely sound like you're doing better, right? So I think just time, just the passage of time. I, I don't even know. It's funny. Cause I don't even know if it was postpartum depression with this one, or if it was just the state of the world, because I talked to, I did talk to my OB about it because we did the postpartum screener And I said, you know, this screener is stupid because these questions don't apply to the world anymore. That like, I'm not looking forward to things anymore. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to look forward to. Like that question doesn't apply. We need to update this so that people can tell the difference between how they're feeling. So um, she was very uh, receptive to that, but it's hard to tell in an unprecedented situation if what you're feeling is the same old, same old postpartum, or if it's just the world's on fire and people are rioting and there's just, you don't know what tomorrow's news is going to bring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think was kind of your biggest challenge during this time? Uh, Not getting to be with my mom. Oh, I was, I was devastated that my mom couldn't be in the delivery room. I was she held on to my baby blankets and I wrapped my son up in one of my baby blankets. And when she dropped my kids off that first time and I went to lift him up and show her, look, it's my baby blanket. We both just burst into tears Aww. and started sobbing and it, it just would have been nice to hug each other and can't do that. And there's just, I'm never going to get that back. Mm-hmm. Like my mom will know she was, present. I was lucky enough to have her present when my first two were born. And I just have to remember that, but there's just so much that we'll never get back from this time. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard. What about, I mean, and maybe there isn't one, but do you have any things that you would consider a win, something good that came out of this time? Um, Yes, actually I do. I keep calling it the pandemic pivot. (laughs) Uh, my husband and I, um, so I'm a freelance writer and I have been sort of slowly building up my career 
And we had been, my husband and I had been talking about how down the line, maybe by the end of 2021, we were going to switch roles. He would stay at home and I would work full time as a freelancer. So when the world stopped and everything, he had to go out on leave to help with the kids once school ended because then I'm juggling a new baby and two kids who need virtual school and all this stuff. So we were able to sort of test drive that whole thing, having him home, relying on just my income and trying to figure out like what we can reasonably make work and what it will look like with three kids at home. So we ended up making that decision to move forward because he's now got to do virtual school for our kindergartner. So it was just, okay, we make the jump now. And I mean, yes, this could go terribly wrong, but it's going terribly wrong for everybody. So we won't be alone. The end, they're just, just decided to make the jump and hopefully knock on wood. This is the bright spot of 2020, other than having a beautiful baby boy, is that, you know, it kind of allowed us to make a jump that we probably would have been too scared to make had everything else in the world been going along just fine. But since it's like somebody opened up a box and dumped it upside down, it was like, why not throw one more stuff on the ground and see what happens? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know. Like you said, it's a good pandemic pivot. I think a lot of us are experiencing that too. So he, so you're now the primary breadwinner, basically, yep, for your family? I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> so how did, because um, I believe, because obviously we've talked offline, so I believe you didn't really take a maternity leave? I did not. I actually, okay. it was funny. I was, um, so I went into labor on Thursday morning and I had, whatever, 10 articles due Friday. And I emailed my editor and I said, I'm going to send five of these now. And I'm going to send the other five on Monday because I'm in labor. (laughs) And she was like, Lauren, go to the hospital. Do not talk to me for two weeks. (laughs) So that was really all I did was I had the briefest of, I need to have this baby. And then when we get home, I will get back to work. And that's essentially what I did. Because as a freelancer, you're afraid to say no to work. And you're afraid to say, I need a break. I can't do this. Can you give me a week? But I was really lucky that all of my editors that were waiting on assignments from me on Friday were very open to uh, just giving me a little extra time to get stuff sent in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I found that to be the case. And maybe it's because, and I don't know if this is your case, but I mostly work with female editors. And And even the ones that don't have kids are just like, girl, just go. It's fine. Yep, exactly. Yeah, one of my editors sent me edits on a piece I had already turned in while I was sitting on the birth ball, bouncing in the hospital. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't have my computer with me. I can try and do this on my phone. She was like, no, I will take care of it. Have a baby. Talk to me later. That's great. That's great. So how did it How did it feel to not take maternity leave? I mean, um, was that good for you? Was it okay? Were you kind of a little bit stressed out? Like what happened during that time? I really love what I do. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, I've got to do, I've got to go to work. Like, it's not like I'm doing something that I hate eight hours a day. Like, I, I genuinely enjoy what I do. So getting to do it um, brings me joy. So it wasn't, there was an adjustment where I had to figure out how I'm going to breastfeed while also typing on my laptop, and which is why I started working from my phone all the time. Um, so there was an adjustment period where things were a little rocky in the beginning, but 
I think that continuing to have that normalcy of, okay, this is due today, this is due tomorrow, like I've got to focus on this and get this job done, kind of kept me grounded a little bit and Mm -hmm. prevented me from spiraling off into whatever. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So, um, well, since you seem to be pretty experienced working from home with a baby, for all the moms that will listen to this that haven't had their babies, do you have any tips? Uh, you know what? Give yourself grace and have zero expectations. No matter what you hope to accomplish or what you think it's going to look like, just try and keep all of that out of your mind and re- realize that it's not one size fits all. What works for me isn't going to work for you. Like, I like working for my phone. I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> There's, you just got to figure out what works for you and understand that that new baby is really the most important thing that you've got going on in in your life. So you just need to give as much time and attention to your baby and yourself, certainly. And your job will be there or it won't. I mean, your job might not be there even if you're trying to juggle it all and you're <laughs> you to put your baby in a room, close the door and work for eight hours. Your job still might not be there. So really just figuring out what works for you and, and making sure that you're health and happiness and your baby's health and happiness are priority one and two and everything else will come together or it won't, but there's nothing you can do about it. It sounds like you have a really good sense of, um, and I know this word is used a lot, but like making sure you're taking care of yourself, right? Like the whole self-care thing. So do you have any, anything you're actually doing proactively for your self-care, like besides making sure that you're working and like fulfilling that part of your life? I've gotten very into my skincare routine. (laughs) Really? Yes. So I was, it's funny. I was um, lucky enough to, I was gifted the Pacifica, um, their new skincare line. They have a new Mm -hmm. uh, vegan skincare line. And I got it as a gift and it was just, oh, I'm going to try this. Oh, I'm going to try that. And it turned into now I have this skincare regimen that I do every single, well, do it every single morning and I try and do it most nights, but some nights I'm just too bush to do it. And it's really been very um, soothing to me and it takes a minute and a half to do it. So it's not super time consuming, but it's just that thing that I always feel better after I do it. And the more often that I do it, the more, the better that feeling is. So it's just a dumb little thing, but it makes me happy. You know, sometimes, especially right now, I think we need dumb little things that make us happy. Exactly. Exactly. And they're not dumb if they make us happy. That's right. That's right. Well, this might be actually, you might have the same answer for this, but the question I really want to ask every parent that I have on here is, what's keeping you sane these days? And this can be like, I mean, it could be, you know, the Pacifica skincare line. It can be a person. It can be something you're reading, like really anything. Just like, I think for me, especially, um, you know, the, the purpose of this podcast is telling everyone that we are not alone in all of these hardships and, you know, doing a little bit every day to keep our sanity. Um, so for you, what is keeping you sane? Uh, so we've been doing a lot of stuff around the house, uh, to make the house feel more like a home. We only just moved. It hasn't even been three years. I think it's been like two and a half years. And we, when we moved, there was a bit of an upheaval and money was very tight. And for a while we were living paycheck to paycheck and like really struggling financially. So we didn't do anything. 
we just unpacked and the, I mean, there's still boxes in the basement. <laughs> we kind of unpacked and just got it up to snuff for living in. And with my husband home, he's had some downtime. So he was like doing these little projects and it was very nice to um, like sit down and be like, okay, I really want this garden we did. Like we have this nice flower bed and we've got weeds growing up in it. Let's weed it or let's, power wash the siding like oh and the patio we power we borrowed my parents power washer we power washed everything (laughs) but like doing stuff like that it's little stuff it's doesn't cost anything and it's just we set these um i have this giant um whiteboard that's the size of i don't know it's like four feet wide um and i have our calendar broken down onto it every week i write down like okay this is what we've got to do this week my daughter's school is on it. Um, what we're having for dinner is on it. Like really just, I might've gone a little overboard and really just scheduled us to death with this thing. But, and one day I've got weed the garden. One day I've got, you know, go pick flowers. Like, and we just put things on it and then it's nice to take them off at the end of the day. So that's really been helping me keep, it's not so much a routine, control. It, mm-hmm. It's been helping me feel a little more in control and I think that it helps my family to be, feel normal with me bossing them around <laughs> instead of just sitting on the couch being like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. That's great. That's really great. So do you want to tell me a little bit about your work and where people can find you? Absolutely. Um, so anybody can find me at www.laurenwellbank.com. Um, that is the former site of my blog, which is now just really my portfolio. Um, and then I'm pretty much all over Martha Stewart, um, living Martha Stewart, wedding, apartment therapy, places like that. So anywhere, just Google my name and you can find me. (laughs) That's awesome. Thanks. Anything else you want to add? Um, I would like to say to anybody who is about to have a baby and is feeling like, oh my God, the world is ending and you know, the same thing that we all feel right before we have a baby, whether or not there's a pandemic, you're going to get through it. Like, it's just, it always sucks a little bit in the beginning (laughs) and you're not missing out too much on it, not sucking because of COVID, but there's, you're going to get through it. And hopefully on the other side, you'll be able to someday sit down with your new child and say, when you were little and we thought the world was ending... (laughs) Everything is fine now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really love talking to Lauren. I'm so happy that she got to be my first official interview for the Pandemic Mama podcast. But what I really loved about Lauren's interview is that she was really able to get into the nitty gritty of what it was like for her to have her third child during the pandemic. You know, I think that a lot of us listening to this podcast, myself included, are actually going to be new parents. You know, we have nothing to compare this experience to. And in a way, that's almost comforting because, you know, all of the hard and difficult things we've been through, we don't know actually how easy it could have been otherwise. I mean, We've heard stories and, you know, there are things that we missed out on. Sure, all of us are missing out on a lot. But, you know, at the same time, I don't have the what must be sweet and beautiful memories as Lauren was talking about, you know, of her mom like being there for the birth of her baby and not being able to meet her grandchild in the way that they were hoping. 
You know, for me, it's almost normal the way that my parents ended up meeting my baby and the fact that they weren't even able to be invited to the hospital. You know, it all kind of worked out okay, but I just love hearing Lauren's perspective of how things are different today versus how they were during her, you know, initial pregnancies and postpartum period. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Please make sure you follow Lauren's work. She is a phenomenal writer and has a lot to say both about these subjects and so much more. As always, remember, you are not alone. Tune in next week for another honest conversation about the challenges and joys of being a pandemic mama. In the meantime, feel free to email me with your pandemic parenting questions at pandemicmamapod at gmail.com. Plus, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pandemicmamapod for more updates. Also, I would really appreciate your ratings and reviews. As a new podcast, this is one of the best ways to get the word out there about these stories. So please scroll down in your favorite podcast app, rate us five stars, and share a comment. Thank you. Pandemic Mama Pod is produced and hosted by me, Irina Gonzalez, with art by Kayara Coco, music by FM underscore free music on SoundCloud, and editing by the best of husbands and best of men. I'll talk to you soon. Stay sane and stay safe.